Welcome to the NC4 Podcast. We exist to know Christ and make Him known. Discover the power of a connected life by listening to this message from God's Word. He is risen. I want you to note that we don't say He has risen. He is risen indeed. And I pointedly say that because Jesus remains risen today, risen body, soul, and spirit. Our risen one is ascended and reigning in heaven and earth, even as we speak. Resurrection is no mere symbol. It is a reality, even as I speak. And to say that this Holy Week and Easter are unusual, of course, is an understatement. Today marks 103 days since the World Health Organization declared the COVID virus, the epidemic. So this is a staggering kind of time. And something I'm personally really grateful for is that as we descended into this pestilence as families and as a church, God had previously prepared us, both theologically and technologically. I mean, it was just amazing to, in retrospect, look at the hand of God and how he prepared us for what we're going through. The epidemic did not catch the Holy One of Israel who neither sleeps nor slumbers by surprise. That's my, kind of my first point for this morning. The title of the message is one, Afterward Surpasses Before. And we'll be talking from Luke 24 in just a moment. But the point I want to make is that God has prepared us and God will prepare us for what is next. Because that's important to us and it's important to me as a pastor. Let me explain. Our whole theme last year and into this year, even in the prayer summit at Calvary Temple, centered in revival, the connection, and the protection that comes from Eucharist, taking communion together. And to my astonishment, uh, this has been the case in churches across the globe. Some of you were involved a few days ago in the global uh, Eucharistic service. Um, Went on for three hours. Uh, We've been prepared as a church by the Holy Spirit, we've been prepared with this new emphasis on the power of the body and the blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. But more than that, at NC4 Bethlehem and Mukunji, the, the merger that we'd gone through is, has, you know, had taken place. And the renovations had been done. The technology was in place for us to do these things together in God. So this resurrection morning, you know, we're forging our way forward into our destiny and to God's purposes for our lives. And they're together in a situation like us that they never anticipated, that they never predicted, and they just aren't sure what is ahead. Things have been rearranged. All the furniture of their lives has been rearranged. And they're not sure how this is the hand of God. And so in some senses, they're not unlike us. Now, there were in some measure, these people were confounded by the events of Holy Week. And it's the first Easter late in the afternoon. This is the context of the scripture that I'm going to be reading from. And they're on the road from Jerusalem to their home, which is in Emmaus. And it's late. It's about seven miles from Jerusalem to Emmaus. It's late in the day. So they're walking west into the sinking sun. And I want to pick up in Luke 24, beginning in verse 13. And I'll do a running commentary because this is a very pertinent story to where we're all at right now. Beginning in verse 13. And behold, Luke is writing this. Luke says, behold, that means check this out. Two of them, disciples, were going that very day, it's Easter morning, to a village named Emmaus, which was about seven miles from Jerusalem. 
That's a long way to walk. Verse 14, and they were talking with each other about all these things which had taken place. We're talking about the crucifixion and then the hints of resurrection. So we often imagine that these are two male disciples. I tend to see that taught most often, but there's nothing in the text to suggest that. All the suggestions in the New Testament are that this is Cleopas and his wife Mary, who was the sister of Mary, the mother of Jesus. John 19.25 places her at the cross and names her as Cleopas' spouse. This could be, would be Jesus' aunt. And their disappointment then isn't just theological, it's personal. The disappointment is a family affair. And it's also a hint as to why they're singled out for a visitation, a visitation from the risen Jesus. Verse 15, so that while they're walking, uh, I'm sorry, while they were talking and discussing, and the words here elsewhere in the New Testament, these Greek words mean arguing and debating. They were arguing. And the two verbs here suggest that they're disagreeing with one another. That heightens my sense that they're married anyway. <laughs> so, so while they were doing that, I love the way it's phrased here. Luke is so strong with this. He says, Jesus himself approached. Jesus himself approached and began traveling with them, walking with them, verse 16. But their eyes were prevented from recognizing him. Their eyes were arrested. Watch this. It wasn't that they just couldn't recognize him. Something supernatural happened to make sure that they wouldn't recognize him. Well, why would that be? What would be going on there? Uh, verse 17. And so he said to them, what are these words that you're exchanging with one another as you're walking, which heightens the sense that they were, you know, involved in quite an exchange there. And they stood still looking sad. It means they stopped in their tracks and their faces were downcast because all of the furniture of their life had been rearranged, like some of the furniture in our lives right now. Verse 18, one of them named Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only one visiting Jerusalem and unaware of the things which have happened here in these days? Literally, uh, one, one who is named Cleopas. The irony here is that Jesus is the only one who actually knows what really happened. Verse 19. So Jesus says to them, in the English translation, it says, what things? But in Greek, it just says, it's very Hebrew. It's like, what? What? It's one word. And so they said to him, the things about Jesus the Nazarene, who was a prophet, mighty indeed in word in the sight of God and all the people. And verse 20 says, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to the sentence of death and they crucified him, verse 21. And we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. Indeed, besides all this, it's the third day since all these things have happened. You know, their dreams had been crushed by the very faith system in which they had put their hope. And the dream is dead and buried from their perspective. The idea is that something that has been dead more than two days is in decomposition, right? Verse 22, but also some women among us amazed us, they said, because they were at the tomb early this morning, verse 23, and did not find his body. And they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. And uh, verse 24 says, some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just exactly as the women also had said, 
but him, him they did not see. I just want us to remember here that an empty tomb without a living body does not a resurrection make. Uh In other words, somebody got to see Jesus at some point, right? All right, verse 25. And he said to them, oh, foolish men. That's kind of weak. The literal thing that Jesus says here is, oh, you people of bad reasoning. I like that. And slow of heart, hesitant of heart, meaning clouded. You know, your reasoning is being tainted by the clouding of your heart, okay? You're being clouded emotionally to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Verse 26, was it not necessary for the Christ? And they would have heard it this way. Was it not necessary for Messiah to suffer these things and to enter into his glory? Verse 27, then beginning with Moses, watch this. I I would have loved to have been there. I'd love to have heard this come from the, the, the mouth of Christ. Verse 27, then beginning with Moses and with all the prophets, He explained, watch that, he explained to them the things concerning himself in all the scriptures. Now, note that he doesn't go so far as to declare himself to be Messiah. It's Jesus who declares that the one crucified was in fact Messiah, and we'll get to that point. Verse 28, and they approached the village where they were going, that's Emmaus, and he acted as though we were, he were going further. He, he was setting them up. He acted as though he were going further. And it's important because it's important that Jesus becomes invited into us. Verse 29. But they urged him saying, stay with us. They invited him for it's getting toward evening and the day is nearly over. So we went in to stay with them. And again, this suggests that it was their household. Verse 30. And when he had reclined at the table with them, he took the bread and he blessed it and he broke it. And when he reclined at the table, he took the bread and blessed it and breaking it, he had given to them. By the way, this is a breach of etiquette, hospitality, because he's the invitee. It was the household chief that was supposed to take the bread and break it. He kind of supersedes them here. And as he takes the place of the host at the table, verse 31, and then their eyes were opened and they recognized him and he vanished from their sight. So it's not, again, it was a supernatural withholding of what they could see until he explains some things to them. Verse 32, and they said to one another, were not our hearts burning within us when he was speaking to us on the road, while he was explaining, I like that word again, explaining the scriptures to us. Verse 33, and they got up that very hour. Now it's dark. They got up that very hour, returned to Jerusalem. They walked walked all those hours in the dark to return and found gathered together the 11 and those who were with them. I want to make mention of the fact that was a dangerous journey. At that time, at that time of day in that world, that was a dangerous journey to take after dark. Verse 34, saying, the Lord has really risen and appeared to Simon. In verse 35, they began to relate their experiences on the road and how he was recognized by them in the breaking of the bread. The experience of the presence of God 
brothers and sisters, is not to be private. They had to get together with those that they were called to be together with. So here's what we can learn from Mr. and Mrs. Cleopas, if my exegesis is right. First thing is this, when there's an unexpected turn of events in our lives, don't act as if God has been caught flat-footed. Now, the term flat-footed describes someone who is frozen by events, by a turn of events, unable to pivot, unable to adjust, unable to be flexible. You see, God has no need to adjust to our predicaments. In each of our lives, he's building a kingdom opportunity even now. It's not as if suddenly, after this COVID-19 Our lives are now in plan B, and before COVID-19, we were in plan A. This is the plan of God. Okay, I'm not arguing that God is the author of this virus, but I am saying, again, that he is the Lord of it. Mr. and Mrs. Cleopas on the road to Emmaus were disappointed. They were confused. They were disillusioned. Their lives had changed. But the reality here is that the right, right in the midst of that dead dream or right in the midst of their grief, comes the living dream as well as the living dreamer, Jesus himself. That's the way, I love it, the way Luke phrases it, Jesus himself. See, I believe that can happen today. I believe it can happen now. And Jesus comes not only as all they had dreamt of and hoped for, Jesus arrives as more than they ever dreamt or hoped for. I believe that that can happen as well. Here's another principle that I believe is going to be important for us as we move through this together as a church. When Jesus arrives in in a resurrected situation, when everything has changed, he is at first unrecognizable on purpose. And when I read this story, I've often asked myself, why was their vision of his identity withheld from them? And the reason his identity is camouflaged from them is that the realization of who he is could deflect from them what he wanted to say to them, what he wanted them to see and what he wanted to know. Verse 27 tells us plainly what he wanted to teach them. He explained to them the things concerning himself in all of the scriptures. That's pretty heavy. And I've heard it said by teachers, and I probably have said it uh, myself over the years, that God doesn't have to explain himself. And that's right, he doesn't. But sometimes he does, all right? And here's an instance where he does. Sometimes God does explain himself. And he does it here, and I want to say that we're in a season of transition, church, where God is going to explain himself if we will not be distracted and if we'll listen to him. A time of transition can appear as if God's not in charge. So it's important that we allow God to teach the change while he makes the change, and we will be in some measure resurrecting in the months ahead. All right, so this is a time where we need to be sensitive to prophetic voices. We believe in prophecy here. At NC4, we don't just tolerate it. We believe it's, it's vital. It's part of the, 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 the lifeblood of, of what we do. And for us who are leaders, it's contingent upon us to triage and to discern those voices properly, okay? God is on the move, so it's important for us to ask as we move into this new season, how, how does he become visible, and what's really important? How do we listen to him? Uh, 
It was interesting. I got, I want to just, I want to touch on a couple prophetic things that I got that come to me. I was, loads of stuff has come and I have lots of stories to tell. As a matter of fact, Tricia was online listening to Dale Mast, who's a prophet. He's been here. He's spoken here. I hope to have him again, uh, along with a number of other prophets who we believe are, are, are kind of hailed to this house. And um, she was just listening online, and I was sitting reading a, a history book. And, and she said, oh my gosh. <clears throat> and Dale was doing a, a, an online meeting. He's prophesying over people. It was, uh, he, he's a prophet to a number of churches. I think this was at his church. And all of a sudden, he just prophesies over Bethlehem. And uh, uh, he, said, he said this. He says, I see an eagle being released, a soaring eagle being released over Bethlehem. And then he named Trisha and I by name in the prophecy. And uh, you'll be hearing more of that in, in the weeks to come. But I, I, it's, I want to set up, if you will, an anticipation in all of us that God, God's got some good things in store for us. Sarah Reese uh, sent this to me this week. She said, this afternoon I was dealing with a severe migraine and laid down during uh, Crosby, my son's nap. And while I was resting, I had this image clearly pop up in my mind. And it feels a little random, but here's... It was strong, and here's what it says. I saw a simple kitchen faucet that was pouring a rainbow out. Anybody see the triple rainbows last week? I mean, there were triple rainbows all over the valley last week. It was like really cool. I saw a simple kitchen faucet that was pouring a rainbow out of the faucet, and it kept flowing harder and harder, faster and faster, until the, the, it, it, it got to flow more, and there was a bulge in the faucet. It's kind of like a cartoon. There was a bulge in the faucet, and suddenly the faucet burst, and from it the rainbow exploded into tiny little rainbow particles that created an intense explosion of color and light. I may draw it eventually, but as I prayed on, you know, there was just more and more, and I felt this. I felt it was God showing how he will be pouring out his promises, his goodness, and his hope that will not only overflow into our church body, but also pour out of our church body into the community in a way that we can't even comprehend. Can't comprehend how far it will reach. All right. But it will all shine the glory of God that's undeniable. And not to sound overly Christian, but I felt like it was representation that God is taking back what the enemy has tried to use for his plans. Well, we can go on. I just was totally encouraged by that. Uh, Sandra Falkenstein, one of ours, prophesied on her Facebook. She said, the word reset means to set again or differently, to reset that which was broken. This is a time of divine pause, and it's a time where God has begun to reset a time for humanity. The greatest reset of all history was the day that Jesus resurrected. I love that. But get ready for the new. New priorities, new awareness, new ways of doing life, what is ahead of us is not the same as what is behind us, which is the cause of the title of my message this morning. I hope by the Spirit we kind of take this on board. I want to invite Johnny Kilman up. He feels as if he's got a prophecy. It's a prophetic kind of Easter morning this morning. So I'm going to read this in the tense that I wrote it because I wrote this the morning after Passover. And so last night at 2.30, Leah and I were awakened 
I went to the bathroom and looked out the window and saw flashes of lightning in the distance. It showed on the weather that the storm would be over our house around 3 a.m. The lightning and thunder did not stop, nor did it pause. It did not cease as if it were in procession for a king. It sounded like wheels rolling upon the earth, nonstop rumbles accompanied by periods of rain. It was more a lightning storm. Leah and I realized it was Passover and we began to pray. We both looked at each other and confirmed with each other that we felt the Lord was in the storm. The glory of the Lord has come to do everything that he said he would do. He came like a thief in the night, cloaked in power, riding upon his holy throne to bring amongst us the greatest awakening the earth has ever seen. The Lord was in that storm. It wasn't a storm. It was the throne Ezekiel saw that transported the glory of God back to the temple. I woke up this morning and felt something new in the air, like a resting purity that was left in the aftermath of his passing over us, a clarity and awareness that something had been deposited to us in the night, an awareness of his resting presence on the earth. The anointings in the land have officially been awakened. They're ready to be grabbed. The Lord watered the earth last night for miracle change and miracle growth. The greatest time in history is surely upon us. The Lord came last night with a judgment of purity to reveal all things as they should be in Christ. And the verse he gave that is with, with that is this. This is the evidence of the righteous judgment of God out of his goodness. It's out of his goodness, the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God for which you are also suffering. He pruned every withering branch with a word, and he is calling out kings and queens upon the earth for those who have ears to hear, to respond and walk in kingly inheritance in Christ. To walk in a manner worthy of the calling of Christ. The righteous will shine forth in miraculous glory. We have entered a new era of ever-increasing glory until the coming of Christ. The new time that is in our midst is the time of glory, a time of holy change, a time of reformation, a time of refreshing, a time of awakening. Passover was April 8th. Biblically, the number eight represents new beginnings. At the conclusion of the day before, April 7th, seven means completion. We are in our fourth month. Four means creation. So we can literally interpret this, that on the dawn of a new day, the Lord has literally created a new time with a new way for his people to handle the capacity of his glory on the earth. Surely everything has changed, declares the Lord. The themes that are working here are, you know, reset, a new day, literally a new day, a reset day, a reorganization of lives and the way we're going to be living lives. And that's difficult. I understand that. But I, but I believe it's filled with hope. When this whole thing started, some of you know Denny Kramer called on a morning just out of nowhere, and he began to weep as he prophesied over me. And he said, I see miracles, signs, and wonders, miracles, signs, and wonders, miracles, signs, and wonders, such that you're going to have to record them to be able to remember them. Look, these are fantastical kinds of words and so forth, but I want them to be lodged in our hearts. What if Mr. and Mrs. Cleopas on the road to Emmaus, what if they didn't believe it was him? And in order to believe and to see that it was him, two things had to happen. They had to recognize him in the scriptures as Messiah, and then 
They had to recognize him in the breaking of bread. So it is in the breaking of the bread that his presence, which has been with us all along, becomes visible, which is why we're heightening the sacrament of communion and the pleading of the blood of Christ through this season. I want to do that right now. We're going to break bread. Um, uh, if you don't have communion elements uh, ready, that's fine. When you're at your Easter tables today, when you're, just do it today sometime. And what I'm doing now will be joined to that, and we'll do it as a church. And if you're visiting online, please do it. Get some crackers or some bread, some wine, some matzah, and do what I'm doing now, that on the night that he was betrayed, he took the bread and he broke it, just like he did for Cleopas and Mary. And taking the cup, <clears throat> he said, this cup is the cup of the new covenant in my blood shed for the remission of your sins. Lord Jesus, as we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death. As we proclaim your resurrection, in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen and amen. Now, for those of you, I'm going to take that in a second. It may be... Uh, that you've never, it's really interesting, you've never settled the issue of whether Jesus is your Savior or not. In Passover, one of the interesting things that, that occurred all those years ago in the book of Exodus chapter 12, in order for the angel of death to pass over the household, a, a, a lamb had to be sacrificed, but the sacrifice didn't send the angel of death packing. What sent the angel of death packing was the consumption of the lamb. In other words, if we say that Jesus is our savior, it's not enough to let that be a theological fact. It's got to be internalized. We have to internalize the truth of it. And the way we do that is to pray a prayer like this. And I'm going to ask you all uh, online and even here just to pray this prayer with me, and then we'll take the bread and the wine. A few words that could change your life forever. Lord Jesus Christ, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. Please, Lord, forgive me. I now turn from anything that I know is wrong. And I thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness. Thank you that you offer me, Lord, the gift of your spirit. I now receive that gift. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit, be with me forever. I want to live forever. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. You know, if you, if you said that prayer, maybe you've said it before, but it, like it had some kind of impact this morning that maybe you felt faith rising up within you. You know, as we move out of the service this morning, there'll be an opportunity for you to acknowledge that Pastor Mike, who's our online pastor, he'll get some information to you and 
When all this clears, we hope you come join us. But in the meantime, take the bread. And I say, Jesus, thank you for your broken body. And taking the cup, I say, Jesus, thank you for the cup of your blood. And inasmuch as I've, for whatever reason, through God been given pastoral authority here, I extend the power of the blood over every household in this church, those who are viewing online. We just put the blood over every lentil until this pestilence ceases. And Lord, we thank you for your resurrection. Lord, we thank you that as we remember you in the breaking of bread, you remember us, R-E hyphen, member us. Put us together as your church. So I say to you all, enjoy your Easter. Enjoy his resurrection. Enjoy your future resurrection. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. God bless you all. Happy Easter. Thank you for listening to the NC4 Podcast. For more info, visit our website at nc4.org. We believe in the power of a connected life. If you prayed to give your life to Jesus today, we'd love to help you walk it out together. Just text the word JESUS to 610-816-6062.